You can be seated. It's good to see you all here this morning. Lots of things happening. Of course, that just seems to be kind of the, the mode, e- even in this weird uh, COVID uh, world that we live in. Well, let me let you know about a few things. First of all, next Sunday, we will go back to one service at 10 a.m. Everybody get that? So next Sunday, we'll go back to one service at 10 a.m. Now, you guys are good. If you show up, if you forget and you show up at the same time, you're just a little bit early. That's okay. For the folks that are in our 11 a.m. service, well, <laughs> uh, not, not in such good shape if they forget next week. So we're doing that. We'll also shift our live stream. So our live stream will only be at 10 as well. So next week, we're going back to one service uh, and it is going to be at 10 a.m. Um, just wanted to make sure you know about that. We'll try to flood your email uh, this week. We will Facebook you out this week, letting you know. We'll do everything we can to try to remind you that next week we're going back to one service at 10 a.m. But there's something else that I need to let you know about. You know, I, I almost always have a coffee cup in my hand, but these are way cool. Do you see this? This is a laser etch double wall. I sound like a salesman. Um, <laughs> And that's not all. No. <laughs> if you order now, no. Um, so these are way cool. And, and uh, me and the Woods, that's Mike and Aaron Wood. <laughs> I love the name of the company. They are actually, the, the, they are so gracious. So, so they're actually setting this up. They wanted me to announce it first and then they'll put that up. We'll put the links for you so that you can order your own. Now, I, I know this is cool and everybody's going to want one, want one just like it. But there are different colors and different sizes. But I was afraid that a lot of people would order the same one as this one. So I had them put my name on it. You see that? Yeah. So, so these are cool. And when, when you do that, it will also serve as, as kind of like a, a little fundraiser for the church. Uh, they will periodically send us a little bit of money. So, but that is way cool. I, I, I want us to, to really kind of get the word out there. And so this is a great way to do it. And they asked me which side of the cup I wanted it on. And I said, well, the side that everybody can see it when I drink. See, that's the way that works. So, so uh, look for on the website and look on Facebook for uh, that link to order those. So there's another thing that we're doing too next week. Not only are we going to one service at 10 a.m., but with talking with some people on Zoom, it, you guys do Zoom, anybody? I don't mean in your car. Um, <laughs> Zoom. Uh, that Zoom meeting kind of thing. So I was meeting with a greeting team and we were just kind of talking uh, about some ways and I'd had this idea before. Uh, how do we, because we have a lot of people that are jumping on live stream and, and I want them to know that that's okay, but I don't want them to get disconnected from the fellowship. So starting next week at 9.30 a.m., you will have a Zoom link that you can click on. We'll have it on our Facebook page. We'll also have it on uh, the website but you can click a link and it'll go on there and you can fellowship uh, with the people in a church. It's called the foyer, right? Someone said I should have called it the coffee fellowship area, but I don't want to confuse people. So it, it's called the foyer and it's a way for, for people to connect uh, those that are, that are on uh, live stream. But here's the deal. You can do it too. So you can jump on, you can grab your phone, and you you might want to try this out ahead of time. You have to download the little Zoom app, but you can jump on too, because one of the things that they said, and a lot of people in this meeting were people who were only watching on YouTube, they said, we we haven't seen people in a long time. We want to see people. 
So, so I'm, I'm weird. You guys know that, right? So, so I know, all right? Thank you. So you can, you can do that on your phone. They want to see your face. But we're going to do another thing, too. We're going to put a little iPad on a stand. Um, and I'll do one other thing just for fun for you guys. They won't know this, so there's no point in telling them. But um, uh, we're going to put that as you walk in. You can see the little Zoom fellowship there. And you can wave at the people that are on Zoom. So they can see you. Uh, have you thought about that? Aren't there some people you haven't seen since like the middle of March? It's that way with me. So we'll be able to reconnect. We need to be able to gather every way we can as a church. That, that is part of who we are as a church, that we gather. So some of you may not have known this. Wow, I'm going to preach a message before the message, but that's okay. So the, the word that we get church is not a Greek word. That word is not in the Greek New Testament. That is a German word, kirche, which means the Lord's house. Kind of cool. The word used in the New Testament, which they didn't, for some reason, when they translated it, didn't, didn't want to translate it over literally, is assembly or congregation. So when we say we are the church of Jesus Christ, what we are saying is we are the assembly. We are the gathering of Jesus Christ. We're the body. So we need to do that every way we can. So we're going to start doing a Zoom fellowship every Sunday before church, and we'll find ways to connect you together with those who are watching on live stream and, and help them to know what's happening and going on. Um, so don't smack your gum as you come in the door next week or everybody's going to see that. So anyways, that, that's kind of where we are. There's probably more things. I didn't write these down. But uh, always be sure to check Facebook. Be sure to check your email. If you've not been getting email from the church, uh, then email the church and let us know. Uh, there may be a couple of reasons. It may be going to your spam or your junk folder, or it could be that you're just not on our list yet. We want to be sure that we get that with you. So check your email, check Facebook, and check the, the website so that we can keep you uh, up to date with what's happening in the life of FBC Cloudcroft, besides the mugs. Aren't those cool? <laughs> Some of you are wondering, where did you get this? Yeah, well, if you uh, catch me individually or message me, I'll tell you how you can get one of those. Here we go. Uh, we're in a series entitled Luke. We're studying the book of Luke. <laughs> Isn't that neat? I'm so creative that we do that. And so in this series, uh, we're going through the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. Luke was a physician, a doctor, and, and he is, ha, has set out, he told Theophilus, set out to, to really give a, 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 a complete account or an orderly account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and it's way cool. I love the way he's writing to this gentleman named Theophilus. And, and what he says, I'm writing to you so that you can be certain of the things which you've been taught. We need to know that, especially in this day and time. Uh, th this has been going on for a long time, but, but we, we have been for a long time really like an illiterate church. Now, that sounds funny. Not that you can't read, but that we don't know. We don't know the reason for the things that we believe too often in churches. So Luke is writing Theophilus to let him know so that he can be certain of the things that he's been taught. And so we're now in Luke chapter 3. We're going to pick up with verse 15 today. And, and the title of the message today is, It's All About Jesus. Now, I say that, and every believer is going to say, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But what I want us to do today is, is to find some, Why is it 
that it's all about Jesus? Why does it have to be all about Jesus? So let's, let's begin. Verse 15 through 18, uh, let's read together. Before we do, though, I always forget. Let me give you the big idea. Here's the main, the main point of the message in case you doze or your mind wanders or you're worried your meatloaf's not going to come out right later or something. If we leave Jesus out, nothing is left. Does that make sense to you? If we leave Jesus out, nothing is left. It's all about Jesus. You can't, that's funny, you can't have Christianity without Christ. You just can't. It is all about him. Not that he's a part of it, it is him. So let's read this, verse 15 through 18. As the people, let me back up a bit. I'm sorry. See, I'm preparing for one message next week that starts at 10. We've got two hours. Okay, I'll give you, we've got an hour and 45 minutes and we'll still beat the people to the restaurants. That's great, especially if you call in ahead of time. Here we go. Um, this is John the Baptist. He just began his ministry. You remember that? Uh, he, he was one of those soft-spoken kind of guys. No, he's not. He starts out with, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. Who warned you about the judgment to come? Right? That's how he began his ministry. And he talked about uh, a, a baptism for repentance. And, and remember, uh, they, they came to him and he said, what must we do? And, and really, uh, the, the, the main emphasis of what he told the three different groups of people that came was, you need to live like you mean it. Change on the inside is going to show on the outside. So that's this guy, John the Baptist. He's just beginning his ministry. And as he preached, God moved. And people came and they repented. Okay, so that's where we pick up now, verse 15. As the people were in expectation with this preaching that John is preaching, a baptism for repentance, repentance that changes who you are and what you do. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. Christ is the Greek word, Messiah is the Hebrew word. Whether he's the Messiah, the one that God had promised for hundreds of years, really 1,500 years, 1,700 years, God had been promising this Messiah would come in his word. And they were wondering, could this be him? Could, could this guy, uh, John, wh whose name means the Lord is gracious or the grace of the Lord, can he be the Christ? And this is really cool. John, remember, his, his mission is to prepare them for the Christ, for the Messiah. And so he does that by doing something Jesus does a whole lot. They're questioning in their hearts, and he answers the question out loud. John says, verse 16, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, that, that's a weird way to exhort somebody, but with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel is what it says here. That's the word. We have good news translated for us. But with many other words, he preached the gospel to the people. So John is beginning his ministry. His ministry is really taking hold. God in his timing, which is perfect, is bringing the good news, the gospel to the people. And they are responding. And they began to say, could this be the Messiah? 
Is this the one? And John says something here that is amazing. John really kind of, of puts himself in place. Any of you ever been put in your place? Has that ever happened to you? All the men are going, yeah, by my wife. No. John puts himself in place. John realizes his role is simply to prepare people for the Messiah. And, and so he says, he knows that they're questioning this. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? And, and John says, look, let me explain what I'm doing. I'm baptizing you with water. That's a symbolic kind of thing. <laughs> I'm just preparing you for the one who comes with the real thing, and it's not Coca-Cola. I know some of you went there. That I'm, I'm just preparing you. This is symbolic. The one who's coming is going to really baptize you. And it's not going to be with water. He is going to baptize. You know that word in Greek means to immerse. He is going to immerse you in the Spirit the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And John says, just, just so that you know where I am uh, in this order, I'm not even worthy enough to tie his sandals. I'm not even worthy enough to mess with his feet, which was the lowest of the low. Remember when Jesus later washes the disciples' feet, he takes the, the, the form of the lowest of the servants. John says, I can't even do that. I not only am I not worthy enough to wash his feet, I'm not even worthy enough to untie his sandal for him, to get him ready for the lowest of the servant who would wash his feet. He said, listen, you need to understand, this is not about me, that everything that I'm preaching to you, this is all about Jesus. You remember Jesus? His name is Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, the salvation of Yahweh he said, it is all about Jesus. It's all about this one to come. And so today, I know this is a day full of distractions. Man, any of you who hang around me just a little bit outside of church know I am working hard not to be distracted by the crazy world that we find ourselves in. It's hard. Man, is it hard. And so this reminder is for all of us. That in this, in this life that we're living, particularly at this point in this life that we're living, we need to remember that it's all about Jesus. L let's, don't, let's don't stray. Let's don't get distracted. Let's don't get off point. It's all about Jesus. We need to stick with Jesus. And, and, and you can't do that without sticking with the gospel. That is the good news about Jesus. So let me just hit, hit a few things with you. Uh, this is, I'm going to preach a series this morning in one message, in the 20-some minutes I have left. <laughs> Jesus, he is creator. Now, I know we kind of think of this in some metaphysical kind of way. Yes, because Jesus is God and God created everything. No, no. Jesus is creator. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That is, he was not created. He's always existed. He's eternal. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I like that. John knows that some of us need to be repeated. He made everything. And just so you know, nothing that was made was made without him. He made everything. You know what everything means in Greek? Everything. <laughs> everything. Colossians 1.16, Colossians chapter 1 is a great 
If you're just looking for something to, to pick through this, this week in your devotions, Colossians chapter 1 is amazing. Go to uh, uh, Revelation 4, you said earlier um, as well. Put the two together because the beginning and the end, actually, or the beginning and then the beginning of the end, however you want to look at it. Colossians chapter 1, 16. For by him, that's Jesus, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And then he sums it back up. This is Paul. All things were created through him and for him. So you get the idea? Jesus, I know this is, this is mind-blowing. The first time I ran across this studying Colossians, I kind of knew it, but this really fleshed it out for me. Jesus is creator God. You got that? Shake your head. I'm looking at the camera. Shake your head. Yes. Jesus, God the Son, is the creative agent in the Trinity. That's big. So, so I'm going to jump ahead a, a little bit. You remember, remember the place in the Gospels where, where this man that was born blind? And Jesus went... And, and the disciples, so, so you know, they, they're always looking for some deep conversation with Jesus. It got them in trouble a lot. Uh, they, they said, so Jesus, wait, wait, hey, see this guy over here? He was born blind. Who sent him or his parents? And Jesus was like, yeah, you guys don't get it. But, but let's, let's demonstrate God's power here. Let's use this to glorify God. Jesus spat in the dirt, made some mud, put it in the guy's eyes. He told him to go wash and the guy could see. Now, I don't think it's a big stretch here. When, when I read that in Scripture, knowing Jesus is creator, I go back to Genesis in chapter 2 where it kind of focuses. It says that God formed man from the dust of the earth. Jesus from the dust of the earth formed. The, the word used in the Hebrew there is like a potter wood with clay, a very personal thing. Jesus formed man from the dust of the earth. And then I look back in the Gospels and I'm like, Jesus made this guy some new eyeballs. I mean, I can't see any other way, but this is the same God the Son who made man out of the dust of the earth. And he made some mud, put it in the guy's eyes and he could see. So maybe that'll change the way you read the Gospels now. He's creator. Jesus is not only creator, though. All you have to do is go to Colossians 1.17, the very next verse, and find out that he is sustainer. That he not only by his power created everything that is, and we see that reiterated in John and again in Colossians, but he sustains by his power, he holds everything together. Here's the way it reads. And he is before all things, that, that you could take that in both ways, before all things he's existed eternally or he's preeminent. He, he is a, ahead of all things. Get back, I get so excited, I just lose my place. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together or consist by his power, he holds everything together. If you want to have fun, look up the protein laminin, just, just, just for fun this week. Just look that up, your little science lesson. So he's creator, he's sustainer, but he's also savior. Now we know that, don't we? In Luke, we read that. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Whenever um, the, the angels appeared to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. He's Savior. 
In 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul writes, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus, that is Yeshua HaMashiach, if you want to go to the Greek, I'm sorry, the Hebrew, came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm foremost, Paul says, and we, we all probably feel that way most of the time. Luke 19.10, uh, and this is kind of our subtitle for the message series, Luke it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He came to save. He's Savior. And Titus 2.13, Paul writes to Titus, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So he's creator. He's sustainer. He's Savior. He's also redeemer. He brings us back to the place that God created us to be. And in, in Titus 2.14, the next verse, who gave himself, this is Jesus, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Colossians 1.13, I told you Colossians chapter 1 is a good book, good chapter. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom, in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's creator, he's sustainer, he's savior, he's redeemer. But John also hits something in here when, when he says this. John says, his winnowing fork, this is Luke three seventeen. his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. He is also judge. We don't think about that a whole lot because Jesus was here when he was here. He was suffering servant. You know when he returns, and he will, he's coming back as ruling king of kings and lord of lords, and he's coming back to judge the world for sin. He's judge. And we see this in several verses, not only that one in Luke 3.17, but Acts 10.42 and he commanded us, this is, uh, this is Luke that, that's writing this. Uh, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God, the Father that is, to be judge of the living and the dead. John five twenty two. For the Father judges no one, but is given all judgment to the Son. And in 27, he reiterates this. This is Jesus speaking. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. So Jesus is creator. Jesus is sustainer. Jesus is savior. Jesus is redeemer. But Jesus is also judge. And that is the urgency of the gospel. The good news is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to save us, to redeem his creation and to redeem every area of our lives. And the urgency is that you only fall into one of two camps, those who have been saved and those who will perish. You know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, whoever trusts, whoever has faith in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. You, you only fall into two camps. I've said this before, but we need to remember the way is narrow. Jesus and only Jesus can save. But the invitation is huge. Whoever believes, 
the invitation is extended to all. He's judge. And so when we look at this, we, we kind of get an idea of what John the Baptist is saying is that if we leave Jesus out, there's nothing left. Without Jesus, we don't have creator, we don't have sustainer, we don't have savior, we don't have redeemer, and we don't have the judge, the reason for all of this urgency that we, we feel in our hearts as Christians. Without Jesus, we've got nothing. And, and we live in a world, and, and I only see this progressing, not only in the U.S., but I, I think this is a worldwide thing. We live in a world where it's okay-ish to talk about God or the universe, I hear a lot, or my uncle used to say the big man upstairs. It's okay to talk about God but man, when you start talking about Jesus, people get their feathers ruffled. We live in a world, and this is happening more and more and more, where to speak the name of Jesus is frowned upon. In fact, we talked last week to live like you mean it. It means that you might lose your job. If you talk, you know this. I promise you, in most cases, I don't know that it's the case here in Clockroft, but if you are on city council... And as a city council person, you talk about Jesus, they're going to say, whoa, 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 no, 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 separation of church and state, leave your faith at home. Faith has no place here in government. Or, or any other job. No, no, not, not. You, you, you keep your faith to yourself. We talked last week, your faith is personal, but it's not private. You, you, keep, you keep that to yourself. It, it, you can, uh, God, you know, he, I mean, that guy's okay, but this Jesus guy you know, he offends people. He said, no one comes to the Father but by the Son. I am the way, the truth, the life. That's a little bit narrow-minded for our world. That's what we get in culture. But here's what we need to understand. That as we live this life as believers, as Christians, as part of the church with the command to preach the gospel, the good news to people. If we leave Jesus out, we've got nothing left. You cannot share the gospel without Jesus. Jesus is the good news. He is the gospel. And I know some of you may be thinking, wow, if I start talking about Jesus at work, if I start talking about Jesus over here, if I start talking about Jesus a lot, then that might get uncomfortable. Here's what we need to remember. But if we leave Jesus out, then there's nothing left. The pastor at Willow Creek Church said one time, the church is the hope of the world. And, and, and in some sense, I think that's probably true. The church, we are the ones who are called to bring the hope of the world to a lost and dying world. But, but I would tweak that. And man, I hate to do that for big guys like that. But I can do that because he's not here. And the chances of him watching the sermon online are just about slim. Jesus is the hope of the world.
Jesus is the hope of the world. We need to be sure that whenever we're taking the gospel, whenever we're, we're, we're bringing the hope of the world to the people who need it, that we don't leave Jesus out. Because without him, we have nothing left. L- let me give you a case in point. We'll close with this. I know, you've heard that before. We still got 15, 17, 18 minutes. We push it, right? We can, no. We'll close with this. A case in point, Peter and John. This is Acts chapter 4. Uh, if you're not reading the Bible, let me encourage you to do that. Man, there's so much good stuff in there. God uses it to change us. But some of it's just kind of fun to watch, but th- there's a very poignant place in here. I won't read all of Acts chapter 4 to you. But, but in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are, 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 are doing what they're commanded to do, to go out and to preach the good news to people, to tell them the good news of Jesus. Now remember, this is, this is a sore spot for a lot of people in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 4 isn't very far from the crucifixion, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and remember, they did that so that they could get rid of this old Jesus guy. You ever, you ever thought you had something taken care of and it keeps coming back? Has that ever happened to you? I'm going to pick on my brother just a little bit. Not many people know who or what I'm talking about here. But you, you, your house floods. And you think you got it fixed. And then it rains again. By the way, you guys know that roofs don't leak when it's not raining, right? Has that ever happened to you? Man, I tell you, this, this kind of thing drives me crazy. When I think we've got it settled and it comes back up, let me, let me help you in this area. I heard this from Andy Stanley one time at Leadership Summit. Some things are not problems to be solved. They're simply tensions to be managed. I I hope that's not the case with your flooding thing. I hope that's a problem that you solved. That's the way they felt. These religious leaders, and by the way, you understand, they were the government in Jerusalem. We, We think of religious leaders as your pastor or our local association or our state convention, or we think of it like that. It's not like that at all. In this day and age, the way that Rome did this, they would set up the, the locals to govern themselves. These religious leaders had authority in civil matters. The only thing they couldn't do was capital punishment. That's why they had to take Jesus to Pilate and to, to Herod. The Romans had to do that. But everything else they could have done. In fact, they beat him nearly to death. So the religious leaders who were their ruling government, their local government, called Peter and John in because they messed up. You see, Peter and John, even though this Jesus guy, dead, buried, and resurrected, which, by the way, they bring up, and the religious leaders don't even try to refute that at all, just so you know. They were walking along, and there was a guy who was lame. He had been born lame. He was about 40 years old. So, I don't, you know, you get to an age, 40 years old starts to sound younger, doesn't it? But he was no spring chicken. He, he, he might have been a fall chicken, but he was no spring chicken. And he had never walked. And as, as Peter and John are walking along, he's, he's begging for food. That's the only thing they could do. They had no, no uh, disabled uh, uh, payments that they could get. 
You had to rely on your family or just beg for food. And so he's begging for food, and everybody knows this guy. He's there all the time. That's the only way he can live. And, and Peter and John are walking by, and he's asking for money. And, and, and Peter says something like this. Look, I don't have any money. That lets you know he was a pastor. I don't have any money, but, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And, and the Bible says that second his legs were strengthened and the dude didn't just walk. He's like dancing around town. He wasn't Baptist. He was our, he, he was our more colorful cousin uh, in, in the faith. But he was all over the place. And man, I hate to say this. Peter preached like a little 10-minute sermonette. Okay? Remember on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached about 15 or 20 minutes. 3,000 got saved. Peter preached like a little 10-minute sermonette. You can read it in Acts chapter 4. And 5,000 men got saved. We don't know about the women and children. Man, I know. Peter wasn't available. I, I checked. He can't come here and preach. <laughs> Big. Now, this is in addition to the 3,000-plus that just got saved on the day of Pentecost. Add another 5,000. This church is growing like crazy. Peter's on a roll. <laughs> God's moving. And so the religious leaders call them in. They throw them in jail overnight. They rough them up a little bit. They bring them back out and, and they're like, what are you thinking? This is a paraphrase. This is uh, the Larry version. What are you thinking? And, and Peter, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, says, look, if, if you're calling us in because of this good deed that we did to this guy, you know, <laughs> uh, okay, if that's why you're calling us in, and they says, by what name did you heal this man? Mm. <laughs> now, they just spent the night in jail. Any, I don't want to ask that question. <laughs> Any of you ever had a nightmare that you know? I've never spent the night in jail. I, I used to do a devotion in there. It's just something about when those big metal doors closed behind you. Fortunately, they opened back up to let me out. But they just spent the night in jail. That was like a little, hey, we just want to let you know what we can do. And so they asked him this. And Peter, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, says, he was healed. God healed him through the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> and, you know, they sent him out for a little bit. And they talk about this. They bring him back in. They say, right, here's the deal. You can talk about God all you want. You can go around saying that God healed this guy because we, we just admit there's no doubt this great miracle has happened. So you guys can go talk about God all you want. You guys can heal in the name of God all you want. But we don't want you talking about this Jesus guy anymore. Just don't talk about Jesus. God, you stick with God. Peter says something cool, and I mentioned this to you many times because I like it. Peter said, you have to judge for yourself whether we should listen to you. In other words, obey what you say or obey what God says. But as for us, in other words, here, here's my, my take on this. You, you guys are the legal authorities. If you think you need to throw us in jail for teaching in the name of Jesus, then that's what you have to do. But as for us, we can't help 
but talk about the things we've seen and heard. And, and the, the message was clear. We will not stop teaching and preaching and healing in the name of Jesus. If that means we have to go to jail, then we'll do it. Well, this dumbfounded <laughs> these religious leaders because they knew that these were uneducated guys. And who were they? And Peter being eloquent and bold is really kind of the, the word that, that comes across there. To, to tell us this, they didn't know what to do. So they turned them loose. Said, don't, don't forget what we said. <laughs> and I love this. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. I want to read this part. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. If we leave him out, we won't have anything. We've got nothing. When they had heard it, in other words, so they went back, they released Peter and John. They went back to the other believers, the other disciples, and told them everything that had happened. And when the other disciples heard it, they lifted up their voice together to God. And, and here's the way we would pray this, I think, most of us. If I had just spent the night in jail, hopefully you guys wouldn't, you know, like run off and leave me. I was telling someone the other day, if I, if I end up in jail for preaching the gospel, will you make me a muffin with a file in it? <laughs> Hopefully you come visit me. They just spent the night in jail. They come back. If that had happened here, and I said, guys, they threw me in jail for teaching the gospel, for preaching the word of God, for talking about Jesus, for saying that he's the only way, that we're all sinners. We've all sinned and we all deserve hell. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place to take our sin. And for those who trust in him, that we get his righteousness, but Jesus is the only way. That's what I was preaching. That's what they threw me in jail for. I spent a night in jail. I haven't even shaved yet. I haven't brushed my teeth. Sorry about the, the coffee. <laughs> we would pray probably something like this. God, would you protect us? God, would, would, you, would you help us to change this circumstance and situation? Or God, would you change this circumstance or situation so that we can do what we know that, that you call us to do and not suffer for it? Now, we might not use those words, but that's what we would pray, I think. Here's what they prayed. This is awesome. Sovereign Lord. What are they saying? God, we know you are in charge. You are sovereign. There's nothing outside of your control. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, they're praying to Jesus, and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And why did the people plot in vain? The king, kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers against, or were together, together, against the Lord and his anointed, that's Jesus, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What they're saying is, Lord, we know you're sovereign in all of this, even in the crucifixion of Jesus and all of the nations, all of these people, all the government, even our religious people gathered together against him. But we acknowledge that you, even then, were still in control. And now, Lord, <laughs> we want to pray the prayers of David. 
may their skin rot and fall off their bones. You know, we want to pray those. That's not what they prayed. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. This amazes me. And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. You get what they're saying? They're not asking that, that they wouldn't be thrown back in jail. They are praying, Lord, in, in light of what we've just experienced, would you help us to continue to be bold in preaching your word? While you stretch out your hand to heal, God, you keep working and moving. You stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, would you keep moving? In fact, Lord, would you move even more and help us to be bold in your movement in this place, whatever it may cost us? That's what they're saying. They prayed for boldness. We want to pray for protection. <laughs> they didn't even mention that. Mind you, they haven't brushed their teeth yet from jail. <laughs> They just got out of jail, and they're praying that they would be bold. And you know what? When we pray that God will move, when we pray that God will give us boldness to speak and teach and preach his word and to share the gospel, God will move. The last verse, 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What if, what if we let this be our prayer? What if in, instead of praying, God would change circumstances and situations? Did I mention in the beginning, I'm preaching to me too. I just want you to know. What if instead of us praying that God would change the circumstance and change the situation, what if we prayed, God, would you continue to move in ways that only you can get credit for? And would you continue to, to give us boldness to preach the gospel? To, to go out on the streets and preach that Jesus is the only way. And listen, the time is short. Jesus is creator, he's sustainer, he's savior, he's redeemer, but he's also judge. And he is going to come back one day. And the Bible tells us that it's appointed unto every person once to die. And then they're judged for their sin. But God has made a way for you through Jesus Christ. What if we prayed that God would give us the boldness to preach that? And I know what you're saying, but you're the preacher. Yeah, but no, no. That is what we're all called to do. Take the gospel to a lost and dying world. What if we prayed for boldness? And that's what I want to challenge you today as we enter this time of invitation and response. Would you pray, I call them scary prayers. <laughs> would you pray a scary prayer? Would you pray a prayer that God would give you boldness in preaching and teaching the name of Jesus as the only name by which men has been given to be saved? I'm not a prophet, I keep saying that. But I just feel like this is going to get harder and harder as the day of Jesus' return draws near. Let's pray for boldness. 
But would you do that with me today and pray it for us as a church? That, that what they hear from us is the gospel. It's all about Jesus. Now I know we have bills to pay. We have all those other things we have to do to continue to preach the gospel. But it's all about Jesus. If we leave him out, we've got nothing left. Let's pray.